The great outdoors is a place of enjoyment, peace, and solitude. But at times, the outdoors experience goes dark. Increasingly, outdoors lovers are encountering criminal elements, psychos, dangerous wildlife, and strange weather occurrences. Our goal is to raise awareness by equipping you with cutting-edge information and to shine light into the dark outdoors. Welcome to Dark Outdoors. This is Chester Moore, and this is a special Halloween weekend edition. The official first season of Dark Outdoors is now over. It has concluded, and I thank you for the incredible response, all the crazy, wild, dark outdoors reports we're getting. And it's a very serious topic we're talking about um, every week on the show, but I want to end with a fun bonus episode, which is my goal every season, is to end with a fun sort of film-centric episode. And I thought it'd be great for Halloween weekend to do dark outdoors movies, you know, and talk about some of the crazy horror stuff that has occurred in the dark outdoors on film, you know, DVD, all these different um, things that we watch, whether we saw them in the cinema or we watch them on DVD, Blu-ray or VHS. So I thought it'd be a lot of fun. And of course, the only guy I know I would talk this with probably is my friend since third grade, Patrick Trumbull, and I am in his epic room of all things horror, sci-fi, and just freaking cool. And whether it's the Return of the Living Dead poster, the Striper poster, um, the Halloween 2 Laurie Strode figure, or whatever I'm into, it's an awesome place. So uh, welcome to Dark Outdoors, Patrick. Thank you, Chester, and uh, welcome to my nightmare here. <laughs> welcome to my nightmare. Funny thing, Halloween 1986. I'm at Patrick's house. We're about to go trick-or-treating. Well, we just got back from trick-or-treating, and I had just discovered Alice Cooper a few months earlier, and MTV was airing the return of Alice Cooper live from Joe Louis Arena, and they just kicked into, I'd never heard Welcome to My Nightmare at this point, that part, and um, I'm like, oh my God, I have to watch this Alice Cooper guy, like a live concert, and his sister Peggy, God bless you, came and turned it off. So uh, <laughs> I remember that it was a funny memory, but it was uh, it was late at night and we were doing something else. But I remember, going, oh, my God, I got miss that. Thank God they aired it the next year, uh, taped it on VHS and watched it 400,000 times at least. But, uh, you know, we're talking about horror movies. Of course, it's the right weekend to talk about that. But so much of the stuff you and I grew up on happened somewhere out in the woods. Yeah, we had uh, some pretty wild experiences. We used to play in the woods a lot as kids. Yeah, you know? and we had even experiences like got chased out by a guy with a gun one time. Yeah, uh, that's probably one of the wildest stories I have from my childhood. I mean, the guy just came out and pointed a gun at us. It was uh, it was uh, pretty crazy, and we took off running. I don't think I've ever run that fast in my life, and Chester was running faster. Let me tell you something, brother. When it comes to having guns pointed at me, I can run. Because I saw Deliverance before this happened. So I was thinking, you know, could be one of those guys. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a great place to start. I think when I think of the iconic movie that would go under the dark on, on door, outdoors umbrella, it would have to be Deliverance. Yeah, yeah. That's... Uh... It's not really a horror movie, but it's uh, probably one of the scariest movies you'll ever see. Yeah, man, I remember seeing that, and um, you look at it, I mean, and that has happened. You know, like, that wasn't a true story, but that has happened. And right. 
and just the whole squealing like a pig thing and all that stuff. And um, which is why I have a shirt coming that says, I will not put the lotion on, squeal like a pig or become a satanic sacrifice. Pray, prepare, and pack heat, dark outdoors. But you know, in the more fun horror genre, I kind of got to start off with probably the, the first slasher movie I ever saw, which was the first slasher movie I ever saw was Friday the 13th Part 2. And the reason I started with Part 2 was because of Amy Steele, who played in the movie. She was in The Powers of Matthew Starr, which is a one-year-long series. It had, um, I forgot the dude's name, Peter, uh, Peter, Barton. Peter Barton, but it also had Lou Gossett Jr. in it. Yeah. But I was totally in love with Amy Steele. And uh, when I when I had Showtime the first time, they had a commercial for Friday the Thirteenth Part Two, and she was in it. And I'm like, I've been wanting to dip my toe into the slasher genre at nine years old, so I'm like, okay, she's in it. So watched that one immediately. It went and got the next day and got the first Friday the Thirteenth and was hooked on the genre. But um, I, I, you know, that whole camp killing in the woods person in a mask or whatever. Uh, genre had a big impact because I really remember like I would I'm thinking I will never go to summer camp yeah I don't blame you um every uh every year just about when I was younger we would go camping and I didn't I didn't really watch movies like that when I was that young it, yeah. it wasn't until I got a little bit older in my teens that I started to mm -hmm. really got to the point where I wasn't too chicken to watch stuff like that mm -hmm. but uh yeah I was always you know, I had heard the stories from kids at school that had watched it, and yeah. so it was enough to scare me anytime I was out in the woods thinking there may be some masked uh, killer wanting to come out and chase me. Yeah, it was really crazy. Like, so I watched, you know, Friday 13 Part 2, then Friday 13 Part 1, which my favorite's Part 2, then Part 1. Uh, you know, really, really good movies. But the idea of, like, this serene setting being the place for this horror thing is one. And, you know, if you're a younger person watches this, have never seen the original Friday the 13th, uh, 2146, and then throw seven in there for total entertainment value, which is really good. My friend Laura Park Lincoln is in part seven. And I just had an email from Laura last night for a project I got working on for a kid. A wonderful, awesome, inspirational, love Laura, incredible person. But um, those are the five that I stick with. Uh, of course, part seven goes more into like a, uh, you know, Jason's, is, you know, part six, Jason's a zombie. Part seven, he's still a zombie, but he's like it's a supernatural thing, which I thought was a great route to go. Uh, but far as scares, two, one, four, six, as far as pure scares, I would think. You know, I always really liked six, and yeah. I never was able to pinpoint why, but uh, I was always a big fan of like, uh, the Frankenstein and the classic monsters yeah. when I was a younger kid before I started yeah, getting too. when I started to get in, getting into uh, the more slasher type horror movies mm -hmm. in my teens but uh, that movie has kind of almost a universal monsters feel to it I mean they they revive him with a lightning bolt yeah I mean it's got a lot of got a lot of thunder and lightning and atmosphere in it yeah. it's it's got those qualities to it and actually uh, was it Tom McLaughlin that yeah, directed that one? Tom McLaughlin said that that was his inspiration for the movie, that he went back to the older classic monster movies because he'd equated Jason with Frankenstein or Dracula or some of those older ones. He was a modern version of the classic monsters. You know, I think he was definitely ahead of his time on that because that's what that has become. You have Dracula, Frankenstein's monster, um, the Wolfman, the creature from the Black Lagoon, the mummy, 
And then in the 80s, you have, well, late 70s, early 80s, you got Leatherface, um, Michael Myers, Jason, and Freddy Krueger. You know, and that's kind of your that's kind of your version of that. And, you know, looking back, I never thought about it that way, but it was a very fun, that's a fun movie. And C.J. Graham, who played Jason in that movie, of course, came and did our Jason Takes Beaumont event in 2004 for Freak 13. And by the way, I'm throwing a bonus for this show. Um, after this segment here, I'm going to play uh, the song Crystal Lake that I wrote the lyrics for, and then me and my boy Scott Lackey wrote the music. And um, it's me and uh, Raven, who was our singer in that band, a great singer. And then we have a special guest named Betsy Palmer, who did a narration for her part. So we're playing that in full on this episode of Dark Outdoors. But, um, you know, those movies had an impact about thinking like something bad could happen you know, out in the woods. But, you know, as you've looked over the years at, at these these kind of movies, were there were there other slashers that happened in the woods that really caught your attention? Oh, uh, I would have to say The Burning, which, of course, The Burning and uh, Friday the 13th and all those that were kind of the summer camp slashers, they were all based on the Cropsey legend, yeah. which was uh, something up around, uh, what was it, New Jersey? New Jersey, and yeah. It was a big legend up there, uh how did it go? The guy, so the guy was wronged in some sort of way mm-hmm. by the campers at these uh, at these uh, summer camps, yeah. and uh, they pulled some sort of a prank that goes wrong. He winds up getting injured or killed, and then as the story goes, he comes back to take mm-hmm. revenge on the campers. Yeah, I think that um, the burning is. I know the burning is my favorite non. Uh, it's my favorite non-franchise slasher for sure. Yeah, it's, it's really good. Tom Savini's work on it, and uh, Rick Wakeman from Yes, the band Yes, did the did the the score, which was a different sounding score for those movies. You know, um, it was really yeah, basically three kind of scores back in the day. You had Carpenter esque people ripped off Carpenter. You had the Italian zombie, um, you know, like Goblin esque. Uh, yeah, what was the other one? That used, uh, Tangerine Dream is that the? I think that's it. Yeah, you had that stuff, and then you had like uh, it's all kind of based on an electronic score, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of that was the technology was coming out with synthesizers at the time, you know. But of course, nobody did it like Carpenter. But um, Rick Wakeman's score was really, really good. And I used to have a vinyl copy of the Burning soundtrack, which is really, really cool. Yeah. So, but that's I tell you one that's that's very underrated. Uh, I watched it as a kid on like the movie channel one after after school. This is my after school movies after about nine years old. I'd do there'd be like the final terror. The final terror has a guy that played Ralphie in the Sopranos. It had uh it had a you know a really cool good a- bunch of actors and uh it wasn't your typical storyline. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't camp necessarily. They're out in the woods and they're making this rafting trip and it's yeah, that's that's, that's uh, Daryl Hannah and the dude from the from the Twisted Sister videos. <laughs> well, I've forgotten about that, but yeah, wasn't the uh, I think uh, like T.J. Hooker's partner partner was in that too. Yeah, uh, yeah, his name's Adrian Zmed. But that was a really beautifully shot movie with a completely different thing, yeah. and uh, I think it gets way underrated in the slasher genre, Bec- because the 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 villain wasn't something that was. You know, the atmosphere and the scares and the villain at the end, you're kind of like, eh. But the rest of the movie was really good and scary. Yeah, it was a little bit of a different type of twist there at the end. And yeah. I don't want to spoil it, but yeah. uh, 
I, I can see where it would be this pointed, but it, I actually realized the last time I watched it that they do kind of set it up a little earlier in the movie with a somebody telling a campfire story or something to yeah. that effect. Yeah, but it's good. Check out the Final Terror. It's a, it's a non franchise slasher that's great, and um, it's um, highly recommended. If you haven't seen it, it's different than pretty much anything else that's out there. And um, you know, not everything in these movies you know, happen at a camp. You know, there were other incidents that happened out there. And I think just real quick, because you've got several representations in your room, we're in Texas. We can't not mention the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's definitely one of my favorites. And uh, it was uh, one of those movies that I think uh, was more infamous because of its title than in a lot of ways what was actually in the movie. Yeah. Um, I can remember being a kid and having people tell and having other kids at school tell me about it, and uh, they like completely got it wrong. You know, <laughs> they would have this wild, extremely gory yeah. story that they tell, the, claiming that it was the movie that they saw. But it actually uh, is very mild as far as like the gore goes. Yeah, you're right. But I, you know, I I would put that uh, dinner table scene up with Marilyn Burns. Yeah in the terrified department up with anything in movies. Oh yeah. I mean, just cause it's mild on the gore doesn't mean anything. It is probably one of the most brutal and intense movies ever made. Uh, and I've, it's a movie that I've shown to kids that said they were horror fans and it, it freaked them out. You know, they've watched all these gory horror movies and uh, not around Elm street sequels and stuff. But when you put Texas chainsaw massacre on, it's a little bit different story. <laughs> yeah. And it definitely qualifies the dark outdoors cause they basically go into an abandoned ranch house. You know, and uh, that's that thing is really intense. And just another memory from, uh, you know, back when I was doing the, the Freak 13 stuff is uh, Felissa Rose, who was in Sleepaway Camp, uh, was a guest at Jason Takes Bone on our CD release party in 2004. She was, Felissa was amazing, still is amazing, awesome person. And uh, she asked, hey, do you mind if Edwin Neal comes? Edwin Neal was the crazy hitchhiker in the movie, and which was I was mind-boggled. He showed up at the venue at the art studio in Beaumont the next day. Mind-boggled. And he had like a autographed, um, you know, which was new at the time, lunch kit of Chainsaw to give Felissa. And he signed autographs, and it was a bonus celeb for us. It was really cool. But my wife, Lisa, had the funniest part of the evening when we were taking them out to dinner before the show. And uh, I think in my vehicle, I had like all band members or whatever, and Lisa had the celebs, and she looks back in the rearview mirror, and Edwin had slipped in the car with her, was supposed to ride with me, and he goes, picked up a hitchhiker, hey? <laughs> my memory of that event is uh, when he went to sign my, uh, actually I've got it right up here on the wall, my DVD cover for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, he handed it back to me, and he goes, it's a good picture. <laughs> Just like on the movie. So, yeah, Chainsaw, and it's funny because growing up, we were convinced. Matter of fact, my mom, we were convinced it was it happened in Texas, and it was like the movie that there's a leather face and there's a hitchhiker and there's a crazy grandpa who's sucking people's bloody fingers. And but, and matter of fact, it was so embedded that my mom worked with someone whose uh, brother-in-law and sister worked at the Texas State Penitentiary in Huntsville, and were claimed that the real Leatherface was there. What probably happened is some criminal said he was the real Leatherface to gain cred. Which is really frightening that he would want to identify himself as such. 
But uh, yeah, that was one of the things that uh, I really latched onto too as a kid before I finally saw the movie. That just the idea that it was true and that it happened in Texas, you know, was was fascinating to me, but at the same time, just terrifying to think that there might be people like that out there. In increasing numbers, people across North America are going missing in the wild. Dark Outdoors is committed to shining light on this topic and raising awareness when public interest in these cases fades away. This episode's Missing in the Wild comes from Wayne County, New York. The DeWitt Police Department are searching for a missing man named David Benz, age 68, from Jamesville. He was reported missing by his family after he left his home in a vehicle and failed to pick up his daughter from work October the 20th. He was last seen operating a red 2012 Honda Civic sedan. According to police reports, his vehicle was found at the Walcott Family Dollar on Whiskey Hill Road on Monday night. He may be wearing a dark-colored long-sleeve top, light-colored jeans or khakis, dark-colored footwear, and a ball cap. He wears glasses and was last seen on foot in the area of New Hartford Street. This is why this qualifies as a missing in the wild candidate. Benz is known to frequent state forests and his vehicle may be in or near parking areas for trailheads in these locations. Anyone who believes they've seen Benz are asked to call 911 immediately. Call 911 immediately. This is Chester Moore, and if you love horror, you need to go to Texas Frightmare Weekend. Texas Frightmare Weekend is a Southwest premier horror convention and film festival. Now entering its 17th year, the event will now take place May 26 to 28, 2023 at the Irving Convention Center in Toyota Music Factory. Texas Frightmare Weekend is proud to announce the return of John Carpenter, legendary director of Halloween, The Thing, The Fog, Escape from New York, They Live, and many more. Tickets and info are available now at TexasFrightmareWeekend.com. That's TexasFrightmareWeekend.com. Com. All right, back with my blood brother here, Patrick Trumbull. Me and him have been friends since 1983 in Miss Boyle's class. But one of the things that is fun in, in, the, in the dark outdoors part is just on the fun side. You look at the slashers kind of like a cautionary tale, like, you know, but it's monsters, man. I mean, come on. That's that, I have a creature from the Black Lagoon tattoo on my chest. So I love monsters. And I got to give the creature from the Black Lagoon is like the ultimate gold star for you know a fun monster movie in the outdoors yeah and uh, the the makeup well not the makeup but the suit that they use for that has just never really been topped i mean it was just top notch just the best design that you've ever seen mm -hmm. uh you really didn't have that topped until probably 1979 when alien came out i mean it was just so innovative for the time just the the way it was uh, put together, the full body suit with the scales and the claws and everything. And, and the way you had, you know, Ben Chapman, who I got to know did a project for my band, did um, the above water scenes a big guy and he had a real menacing walk and all but Rico Browning doing that incredible underwater stuff. And it was just a cutting edge movie. If you've never seen Creature, if you've ever been like, and you're a younger person and you've been like the universal monster movies, what are you waiting for? Go back and watch Creature from the Black Lagoon Dracula with Bela Lugosi. Um, go watch, of course, Frankenstein, Son of Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, maybe even Ghost of Frankenstein, The Mummy, The Invisible Man. 
get all of them and because uh, they're awesome. But, uh, man, you know, in an outdoor setting, man, they really nailed the creature. And I was watching a, a clip of it on YouTube the other day. And it's amazing how many comments, even from younger people, were like, my God, that looks amazing. Oh, yeah. It was extremely realistic. And uh, the way they had the gills go out when he was breathing yeah, and everything. I mean, it, it was just, uh, it was probably the most innovative thing anyone had ever done in uh, creature effects at the time. Yeah. And the film, the, the videography part in, in, I think it was Wakula Springs in Florida, was very influential on Jaws. Yeah. Well, the whole uh, part where he's swimming beneath her in the yeah. water was kind of uh, echoed in Jaws when you see the shots of her yeah. from underneath. So, very influential film, Creature from the Freaking Black Lagoon, baby. That's my movie. I wrote a song about it. I mean, you know, of course, the best song ever written about it was from Iced Earth, uh, The Dragon's Child, off a horror show. Go check that out. Um, you know, you go back and look at There's so many monsters that have happened in the outdoors, but um, I'm going to talk about a weird one. I mean, I'm talking about a freaking weird movie. Um, children shouldn't play with dead things. <laughs> that is a weird one. We're not talking about Mel Gibson in Braveheart acting. Uh, you know, it's uh, <laughs> it's not. But dude, there's some there's some atmosphere. They're like in this old graveyard and all this kind. Of, it's actually there's some scary stuff when it kind of ramps up at the end. Yeah, it's it's uh, actually got some pretty decent makeup effects for their zombies. And uh, fun fun fact, I think it was either their cinematographer or maybe their makeup guy. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he invented a toy for Kenner. And I believe it was called Hugo Man of a Thousand Faces. Look this thing up on Google. It is mm. the scariest thing you've ever seen. And basically what it was, it was kind of a doll with sort of a blank face and it came with different makeup appliances so that you can make them up like a monster or put them in disguise or whatever. It actually was a pretty good idea for a toy. They just not executed very well. It has wild eyes and just kind of this blank face. It's the scariest thing you've ever seen. Check that out, man. That was a, that was a crazy movie. There's a poster hanging on your wall that growing up was absolutely one of our favorite movies. So, um, you know, it, it doesn't all take place in the outdoors, but there's definitely some scary scenes that do from that movie. And uh, I can't mention any movie of the 80s and with monsters and not mention this one. So you just take this one. Silver Bullet, Stephen King, 1980. Was that 84 too? Yeah, it was 84, yeah. It was 84 or 85. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's got Gary Busey in it. So you got a little crazy in there along with the werewolf. And uh, so Corey Haim. Corey Haim, and uh, you've got um, the guy from Lost, the bald guy from Lost, is in it. He plays the sheriff in it. But uh, yeah, that's got some really scary scenes because a lot of them revolve around Haim's character being out by himself in the woods. Mm -hmm. uh, and in particular, there's a scene at night where he's out uh, yeah. shooting off fireworks and directly encounters the werewolf face to face. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's also a scene where him and his earlier in the movie where him and his friend are out flying kites alone and the friend winds up being taken by the werewolf. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, actually a pretty scary movie. It's got some, uh, really great effects and, uh, yeah, it's got those creepy outdoor scenes. Yeah, man. I tell you what, we got to talk about werewolves. I got to mention the howling. Yeah. I mean, this is, the howling is like a different style movie, man. It's, this is a Joe Dante film who did Gremlins. And uh, but it's way darker than Silver Bullet. Silver Bullet has its moments, but it's a very dark. It has like a serial killer thing kind of going at the beginning, ends up with the werewolf thing. And uh, but the, I, the star of this movie, by far, is the effects artist Rob Bottin. Oh, yeah. 
who did effects, in my opinion, I love Rick Baker, and but I'm not a fan of American Werewolf in London. It just never was my thing. Uh, you know, the Nazis and the Dreams, just all this stuff, whatever. I think the howling uh, effects are even better than the stuff in uh, the transformation scenes are even better and more intense than the stuff that was in, in American Werewolf. Well, they're very different styles. Um, what Rick Baker did is much more of a man-to-wolf, almost morphine effect, but it's all practical, which is, uh, which is pretty mind-blowing for the time. Now, what Rob Bo- Botin did is much more visceral. There's a lot more kind of blood and uh, mm-hmm. just things tearing open and changing and yeah. the, the teeth protruding from the mouth and the jaws kind of growing out and everything. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's a much uh, scarier transformation than yeah. what they did in American Werewolf in London. Yeah, and uh, I'm not the biggest John Landis fan, so yeah, no. not, my, not my thing. So, uh, but man, The Howling is a very, 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 very intense movie. And uh, that whole thing of, let me give you a piece of my mind, that thing just stuck with me. So if you haven't seen The Howling, go check that out. And I'm not one to normally, I may we may have said this earlier, but I almost never not completely and try to save you from wasting moments of your life. But whatever you do, don't watch any of The Howling sequels. Oh, no. <laughs> They are the worst sequels, in my opinion, of any major hit horror movie of all time. Well, all you have to do is mention some of the subtitles. You have Howling 2, Your Sister is a Werewolf. You have Howling 3, The Marsupials, and they're all marsupials in that one for some reason. They have pouches like koala bears. So, Yeah, yeah man, that's... Uh, but those are those really... Those are really cool movies, man. Any other uh, like monster movies you can think of that happened in the outdoors that like, you thought was really stand out? I mentioned how I, you know my outdoors experience and a lot of it was uh, camping as a kid. Yeah. And uh, um, another one that comes to mind is uh, Prophecy, which is uh, yeah. basically a basically a movie about a mutant bear that's been mutated by mercury pro- poisoning, but. Uh, if you've ever seen the man bear pig character on South Park, that's actually what inspired it. So the creature is pretty cool looking, but at the same time, the the effects maybe aren't that great. They're kind of, I don't know, probably a little bit better than Godzilla movie effects. But uh, it's got some great scenes. There's a scene in particular where it attacks a camping family, and we get to see the sleeping bag kill. Uh, what probably a good twelve years before Jason did it. Pray, prepare, and pack heat. It's time for some dark outdoors defense strategies and techniques. Growing up watching horror movies, there's always some slasher chasing someone through the woods and someone gets to their car and they back up and they end up backing up in a mud puddle and getting stuck. That actually made me think of something I started doing years ago. Strategic parking. I had one particular location that I frequented that was a dead end in a deep tract of public land. And if I just drove down there and parked at the dead end and didn't think about it, I would have to do all kinds of crazy backing up to get out of there in an emergency situation. And that would take lots of time. I might get stuck, which I did get stuck there before. All kind of bad things could happen. So a simple thing you can do when you go into the great outdoors is park the direction that you need to retreat. You know, if you go into a certain area, you know you're going to have to back up and do all kind of crazy maneuvering to get out of the location, please 
Go ahead and do that before you go into the woods. Another thing under the category of strategic parking is park in a spot you can see from at least 50 yards away. That might be impossible to do in deep woods or mountainous country, but if you can, you need at least 50 yards that you can see your vehicle as you approach. If you do this, you could possibly save yourself from being ambushed. You could glass the spot, look, approach slowly, and there's someone around your vehicle. You can at least identify them or see that someone is there and you're not surprised before you arrive. This may seem a little bit paranoid, but if you've been listening to this program about what Ted Bundy did in the great outdoors, it doesn't seem paranoid at all. Consider strategic parking when you're in the great outdoors. Dark Outdoors Defense is brought to you by Hog Hunt USA, an app created to help control the hog population by helping more people kill more hogs more often. They're doing this by building a network of outfitters and landowners to provide excellent hunting opportunities at a big discount. I totally dig that. The hunts begin in January, but starting in October, you can log in to upload pictures of your hog hunts for a chance to win a night vision scope gift certificate for a hunting rifle and other hog hunting gear we'll be reporting about this here on dark outdoors and other media platforms don't forget hog hunt usa it's going to be a game changer in the hunting world so man having a good time with one of my best friends in the world patrick trumbull here who i I hope he starts his own podcast because he's got a wealth of information that really entertain and inspire people uh to have a good time man and and that's what this is all about Dark Outdoors is an important, heavy topic. Man, you know, we like movies, too, and so it's good to have a good time. Everything's always serious. And so me and him were serious about finding these movies, and um, we came across a movie at the Video Club on Western Avenue in 1986 called A Virgin Among the Living Dead. And it had some blonde chicks sprawled out like a casket on the thing and a zombie in the background. And, you know, he looked at the back. It looked like it was going to be a bunch of naked chicks and maybe some zombies thrown in. We didn't have the best of intentions for renting that one. We thought we, were, we, thought we were going to see something far more interesting than what it was. No, we were like 13. So we were like kid, we were little kids, you know. And uh, it was the most boring, horrible movie we've ever seen in our life. And I think Patrick had the idea. Well, I, I, we had a lot of uh, Halloween masks and yep. uh, costumes hanging around, so I think we, uh, if I remember right, we kind of blocked out the background yep. with uh, bed sheets and put on Halloween masks, and I think maybe some capes or something we had, yep. Dracula capes, and uh, we recorded our own segment for the movie. Inside the movie, In taped the movie. over it with like two VHS players yeah. and dubbed over it, and I think the gist of it was, I think we said, in case you haven't noticed, this movie really sucks. <laughs> yeah, if you've gotten this far into the movie, you must have a really boring life. <laughs> we were teenagers, it you know. freaking funny. <laughs> the reason I mentioned this, he texted me last night. He said he hoped this pops up in some kind of like viral thing. Or like somebody found the old VHS copy in an auction bin somewhere. Right, I, I'm hoping it pops up as an extra on a Blu-ray or something. You know, they release some Blu-ray edition. It's oh, it's got a new cut of the movie on it or something like that, and it's us in Halloween masks. That would be great. That would be freaking awesome. So also as a as a little extra bonus on that one, we recorded what about 20 minutes of Green Acres. Was it Green Acres? Yeah, it was yeah, Green Acres. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's so Because look, no one ever said anything it sat on that shelf forever i don't think the thing closed 
So, uh, for anybody that's seen the uncut Blu-ray of this, this version was a, a early '80s VHS copy, and they basically had trimmed it down to a PG rating. So there was absolutely nothing in it, no blood, no nothing. Yeah, man. At, at that point in my life, if it was some blonde chick in it and there wasn't some cleavage or blood, I mean, what are we watching this thing for? You know, that was what we were thinking back then, you know? So uh, back when red-blooded young American males actually like to see pretty girls on movies, it's really crazy how cultures change. But um, I digress. But, uh, you know, it's interesting because there are some movies I no longer watch um, just because of the intent you know, uh, being a Christ follower, um, I still watch some horror movies, but I don't, if it's something that's like glorifying evil, I don't watch it, you know, um, obviously nothing remotely pornographic, you know, but, um, glorifying evil, I don't watch it. Good versus evil. I'm down with that, you know, but, uh, the, the whole intent of this is fun and something I want to just do is kind of like a rapid fire set of questions with like word association for you. Okay. So I'm gonna give you some word association here in a minute and then we'll do just some quick questions um so cropsy um the burning burning yeah absolutely because that could go either way right there's a, right, the, yeah. the, the real legend um werewolf oh uh, silver bullet very good um hmm chainsaw Leatherface. All right. Which one? Oh, the original. Yeah, okay. There's we, Bill Johnson in part two. We didn't go into some of the sequels. That's a... <laughs> it's the second worst sequel series, maybe. I don't know. Part two I like, but... Uh, there, there's some that, there are some that are okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think okay is the, is the thing. Part two is a lot of fun. Blood. Oh, uh, Tom Savini. Dude, that's the best answer ever. <laughs> All right. From this genre, beauty. Oh, Barbara Crampton. <laughs> Barbara, he's always like Barbara Crampton. And that, if you don't know who she is, she's from Reanimator. Very beautiful woman. That was the first thing that popped into my head. But right after that was, uh, I think her name was Matilda May, which was the vampire lady, or not vampire, but she was like a space vampire from Life Force. Brother, you know you're in the presence of people who are deeply into this stuff, and they break out the name of a vampire chick from a obscure. Wasn't that uh Toby Hooper? Okay, Halloween, not the movie, just Halloween. What does that bring up to you? Oh, pumpkin pie of all things. My mom used to make fresh pumpkin pies around October, and of course into into the Thanksgiving season every year, and. It was made from real pumpkins. She bought the actual pumpkins, and we would, uh, when we were carving our jack-o'-lanterns, we had to scrape all the meat out of them. I hated that because that was <laughs> that was always a pain. But but yeah, that's uh, one of those childhood memories I'll never forget. Very cool, man. So uh, we're gonna like switch roles. I'm gonna let Patrick go with these questions here. Uh, slime. Slime. I gotta go with. It's not. I gotta go with the original blob with Steve McQueen. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I gotta go with the Absolutely. original blob with Steve McQueen. Uh, actually, I watched that one recently. Uh, that's uh, that's classic. I love that one. Uh, the remakes are really good too. Yeah, it's one of those one of those rare remakes uh, that uh, actually pretty much lives up to the original. 
Yep. Okay, uh, let's see here. I had another one, but I think I lost it. That's uh, okay. We can spider. Spider. I'm going a completely different route with this one. Okay. The Black Widow, Alice Cooper, Welcome <laughs> to My Nightmare album. The Vincent Price uh, narration. I knew you were going to say that. Because <laughs> that, that's what I was thinking really? when I said it. I'm Alice Cooper obsessed and Vincent Price obsessed. It was like my perfect thing came together. Creature. I mean, Black Lagoon. I mean, I have to throw <laughs> that, that was, one out. I guess that was the easy one. But, uh, but that's the first one that popped up. Stitches. Stitches? Holy smokes. Leatherface. That's a good one. The Leatherface. Yeah. He, yeah, stitched stitch, together. Stitches in the mask. Yeah, that always creeped me out. Stitched together from the uh, faces of his victims. <laughs> that always creeped me out. Uh, evil. Mm-hmm. Michael Myers. And the reason the painting of Michael Myers is evil. If you get under rants, my favorite horror characters of all. Yeah. My favorite two horror characters are in the same movie. Uh, Michael Myers and Dr. Loomis. Mm-hmm. It's the Loomis speech. Mm-hmm. Look, if your doctor's trying to kill you, and you're 21 years old, evil, because there's faceless and relentless, you know. Yeah. So I gotta go, with Michael Myers. Let's see one more. Yeah, let's go for okay, it. Okay, let's see here. Let me think. Uh, bat. Dude, it has to go way back for this one. <laughs> Bela Lugosi, the Devil Bat. One oh. Of the- one of the underrated, I had an old, I, my parents got me a VHS player, I think in early 84 for Christmas, 84 for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And I bought, you could go to Kmart and they mm-hmm. had like a stack of like $9 VHSs and I would get, and they had the Devil Bat from, mm-hmm. and I watched that thing over and over again. But it wasn't called the Devil Bat. What was it called back then? See, that's why I have to have him on the show. The, I know I know what you're thinking about. I have the I have the box picture in my head. It was uh, good times. The good times videos. Good times video. Yeah. But for some reason they called it the killer bat. The ki- ah, you're right. The killer bat. <laughs> now when you actually played the movie, it had the devil bat title on it. Mm-hmm. But for some the reason, killer the, bat. That I guess that could maybe have been a licensing mm-hmm. thing. I think everything they put out was pretty much public domain. But who knows. Wow. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm a big fan of this rapid fire, so we're gonna continue this. We're gonna do a little. We're gonna maybe do a little, little differently. I got an idea here. Um, favorite Lugosi movie. Mm, okay. Oh. I'll say this: favorite Lugosi performance. Performance. Okay. Well, that's uh, that'd be the original Dracula. Yeah. Uh, but maybe more from uh, Abner and Costello meet Frankenstein. Mm. It, uh, yeah. Um, he only actually played Dracula twice, which is crazy when you think about it because he is so associated with that character. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, he played it in the original Dracula, of course, and he played it in Abner and Costello meet Frankenstein. I know you'll like this one. Favorite horror sci-fi crossover because in our era there was so much of that stuff. Okay, 
well, this one's actually pretty easy for me. There's really only two possible answers in my mind, <laughs> but I got to go with probably my favorite horror movie of all time, John Carpenter's The Thing. Yeah, baby. Yeah, yeah. baby. The Thing. With Rob Bottin, who was like 20, doing the effects. Yeah, yeah so yeah. Man. The Thing, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, just if you haven't seen this movie, you got to see it. It's just insane. Uh all the effects are practical. It's all handmade, but uh, it holds up. It holds up to this day. It's got Kurt Russell in it, which big Kurt Russell fan. Yeah, man. And uh, it's a John Carpenter movie. I mean, just uh, you can you can tell a John Carpenter movie just by watching it, even if you yeah. even if you don't know what you're watching when you turn it on the t- turn on uh, the movie. Well, John Carpenter tees up my next question I was going to have, which is in all the movies you've ever seen. Your favorite score? Oh, from John Carpenter movies or, or any, just scores or in general? Oh, wow. Any horror movie. Any horror movie. Yeah. Ooh. You know what? I'm going to stick with John Carpenter on this, but it's probably going to be one you're, it's probably going to be kind of a surprise. The Fog. That's my favorite, too. Really? Yeah. Okay. So, as much as I am a freaking Halloween fanatic of the first ones, there's something about that score. Yeah. It uh, it fits the movie. I mean, the Halloween score fits it perfectly too. But there's just something about the fog. It uh, it adds so much to that movie, yeah. which is already just you know just full of atmosphere and yeah. great performances and everything. But yeah, that it would not be the same without the score. Mm-hmm. Underrated monster. Oh, underrated monster, huh? That's an interesting one. I could spend a couple hours on this. Duh. We're going to show some pictures here. Uh, you can see you could definitely do this. Let's stick with um, like a, you know, like a werewolf type monster, like a regular not, non, we'll go, we'll go with a non-kaiju and a kaiju. Underrated kaiju. Underrated kaiju. I would have to go with, uh, see, Gamera kind of got his due eventually yeah. in the in the 90s, yeah. but that's because those movies were awesome mm-hmm. uh i'm gonna go with maybe gorgo gorgo which is uh, i mean it's it's a british made movie yeah. but it's very much a traditional kaiju movie yeah, and what about like just traditional monsters traditional monsters underrated traditional monster uh i'm gonna go with the Sinjinor. dude <laughs> that's awesome which is from scared to death it's it's the best alien knockoff ever. Basically, yeah, it's yeah. an alien knockoff. It, it's really a slasher movie with the alien in it. Yeah. Uh, yeah it takes place in present day, which was what 1979, 1980. Yeah. And uh, it's a monster created in a lab, but it gets loose and it's living in the sewers and it pops out and eats people every once in a while. So, but it's a really good design. This actually was designed by the by the director of that movie, William Malone. This is Chester Moore, editor-in-chief of Texas Fishing Game, the oldest and largest outdoor magazine in Texas, and its sister website, fishgame.com. Between these two award-winning outlets, we cover everything outdoors in Texas and beyond. While we provide you with plenty of hook-and-bullet how-to information, we have committed to our resources to bringing you the most comprehensive coverage of wildlife, habitat, and environmental issues that we can. You can get this award-winning coverage by subscribing to the Texas Fishing Game Print Edition 
six issues a year by calling 800-725-1134. That's 800-725-1134 or going online to fishgame.com. You can also sign up for our three times per week e-newsletter to stay current on everything affecting fishing, hunting, camping, shooting, and enjoying the glorious great outdoors. We hope you've enjoyed the program. If you would like a special PDF of our dark outdoor survival tips, email chester at chestermore.com. That's chester at chestermore.com. Connect with our blog at darkoutdoors.com and also see exclusive video content. Remember, before you enter the great outdoors, pray, prepare, and pack heat.